this is Nikki, and I'm back for another uh, another segment of Nikki's 5150 Experience. <laughs> I know that's kind of cheesy, but I'm cheesy, so it goes right along with the territory. I hope everybody is. Um, I hope everybody's staying safe. Um, keeping masks masks on whenever possible. Um, social distancing, that type of thing, because um, we all want to keep safe, not for ourselves and our family, but keep safe for others as well, so we can help stop the spread during this apocalyptic time. So I know my podcast is mostly about 80s, but today, <clears throat> today I feel compelled to talk about grieving. So, obviously this isn't going to be the most cheerful podcast or whatnot, but this is just to bring to light in case some other people are going through what I've been through, um, to let them know that you're not the only one, and that um, other people know how you do feel that have been through it, and you're not alone. Um, So, I'm going to start with... This is regarding the death of my mother. And I know some of you may have lost a sibling, a father. I've lost both my grandparents. Both sets of my grandparents are, but they've been gone. Um, I have a very small family on my side, but not on my husband's side, but on my side, very small. Both sets of grandparents already passed. I have a father that I don't have a very good relationship with. Um, that adds to it too. But the death of my mother. I was 19. And this happened back in 1990. So yes, I'm 50. And for those who have lost a parent. Um, a mother especially. Knows that the grieving knows that the grieving never ends at least it hasn't for me I'm speaking from my perspective but if but if there are people out there that are still grieving like myself after all these years don't feel silly it's a real thing and so don't feel like you're alone because you're not so I'm going to start from so I'm going to start from the beginning I lived in South Milwaukee uh, most of my junior high and high school years. And so, um, high school was the best time. High school to me was one of the best times of my life. Um, everything was going great. Graduated high school in June of 1989. Hanging out with a bunch of friends. And this guy I kind of liked where we were hanging out. This is back in December. Of 89. And we were all we were all hanging out. And having a good time. And my mom had. <clears throat> at that time. My parents divorced. My parents divorced when I was 8. Um, they argued. And argued. And argued my whole childhood. Near the last few years. When they divorced when I was 8. So the last 2 or 3 years. All they did was argue. And it was just horrible. So. <clears throat> they divorced. 
And so my mom pretty much, you know, took care of us. Me, I have two younger sisters. I have a middle sister, Carrie, and my younger sister, Joy. My sister, Joy, now lives in Houston as a nurse. And my other sister is a <clears throat> is a line chef in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So it was just me, my two sisters, and my mom. My mom worked very hard, and my mom loved us girls a lot. She was was she the most perfect mom? No way. She wasn't, but she was my mom. She was my mom. So. Back in December of 1989, my mom had, when, prior to that, my mom was walking the beach and she thought she had sprained her ankle, so she went to the emergency room. Was this December or January of 90? I'm going to say January. I'm going to say January of 1990. And, um,. So about, I'm going to say probably about 8, 8.30 p.m., my mom called crying. Like I said, I was at home with some friends, and she called asking for her boyfriend at the time and asked for him, and she was crying. And I said, Mom, why are you crying? And, and she said, Nikki... I have cancer. I could not process the information that she was giving me. Like I said, I was 18 at the time. 19 when she passed, but I was 18 at the time. Just graduated high school, having a good time, living a great life, working, you know, working part-time, hanging out with my friends, going to concerts, that sort of thing. And my life was just my whole entire being in my life changed the moment she said, Nikki, I have cancer. So January of 1990 was forever changed in my life. And then I said, no, he's not here. And I said, what kind? She's like, they don't know yet. But she ended up having blood clots all the way up and down her whole left leg. And that's when they were on test to find out that she had, that she had uh, pancreatic cancer. Actually, partial liver and pancreatic cancer. So, yeah, it's going to be a little, I want to talk about it because I want, you know, to bring awareness to other people who this, you know, who might be going through this. But it, talking about it still hurts a lot because it seems like it just happened. So just bear with me. I appreciate you. But it's good to talk about it as well. So after that day, told my sisters, uh, my aunt and my mom, my mom, and my aunt were like polar opposites. My aunt was like, you know, my mom's name was Connie, so she'd always be like Connie, you know. Con my mom was kind of like the, the wild sister, and let's go, let's go, let's go. And my aunt was the laid-back Connie. Stop it. Sit down. Let's talk about it. She was the laid-back one. You know, my aunt is like my second mom, and I just love her, love her, love her, love her, love her. 
<clears throat> so so after I found out I went to the hospital and I think it's been a really, really, really long time since I actually told the story from the beginning all the way to the end. I don't think I've ever done that. Anyways, so... Went to the hospital to see my mom. All she was doing was crying. Told her, Mom, we love you. Sorry. Sorry. It's always good to cry. Crying and laughing are the two most healthiest things for you. Um, so, I then went to my aunt's house. My aunt and I, we talked about it. And then after I left her house, I got in my car and and faithfully by journey was playing on the radio station. And so when I heard that and I was going driving past the lake going home and I heard that song I just burst into tears I cried so hard and for so long so now every time that song comes on it's all I think about So a few months go on and um, my mom lost a lot of weight from the chemo, um, lost some hair, and it's really hard seeing your mother go from how you knew her as your mother to something else with her being sick. And I think that really, I think that really ties into my grieving now from watching her month to month to month get sicker and sicker I think that really plays into how I feel today watching stages of your mother just wither away it's just it's heartbreaking and for anybody that's going through it right now I am so I am so sorry and I wish I could take the pain away for you. Anyways. Gotta take that ring off. So. A few months goes by and my mom had to have a huge port. A 10 inch port in, put inside of her chest. It's, it was called a chemo drip. So that's what she ended up having, a chemo drip in her chest. Um, which was a lot more 
flexible for her to do, so she didn't have to keep going back. She wore a pack on her waist in which the chemo came from and then dripped out of the needle to her. Um, she kept losing weight, but um, she kept on with a positive attitude. Somebody described my mom as, I mean, everybody loved her. Everybody, everybody, everybody loved my mom. Somebody, a lot of people tell me that when she would walk into a room, everybody would want to talk to her, and she just lit up a whole room. Wherever she went, she would light up the room. And every single person that I've came across have said that, have said that about her. And that just goes with the personality she has of being happy and smiley all the time. And about five months into her being sick, there was a nurse that came by. There was a nurse that came by our house to talk to her. And um, she was talking to my mom. And I was actually... I was actually standing outside in the, I love this word, vestibule. Um, I was sitting, I was standing outside the vestibule and the door, the front door was cracked. Just a little. Just a little. And the nurse was talking to my mom. And the nurse was telling my mom, you know, Connie... You're not, she was giving her, her, um, expectancy of to live, and which was only five to six months. And my mom just was screaming, screaming and crying. What about my girls? What about my girls? What about my girls? That's all she kept saying as she was screaming and crying. I could not believe what I was seeing and what I was hearing. I was like, am I in a movie? Is this even for real? I mean, was this really happening? Was I actually watching this with my own eyes, with this lady telling my mother, you are Connie, you are going to die. And you have to know that. I'm like, is this for real? And about a month after that, she kept getting sicker, but she still had a smile on her face. And she would always sing this song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. I'm pretty sure a lot of you recognize that song. Don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> that song. <laughs> I know, I'm not a singer. But she sang that song all the time with a smile on her face knowing she was going to die. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? I can't imagine that. But that just goes to show you the type of person she was. Amazing. Phenomenal. I don't know. But that was my mom. And after she got a little bit weaker she stayed with my aunt for a while. She stayed in my cousin Lisa's room. Her Lisa was moved out and moved out and I think married then. And um, 
my aunt called her room heaven because it was just a gorgeous room. Just gorgeous. She called, my mom called it heaven. I think my mom stayed there about a month. And then, unfortunately, she ended up in hospice. St. Mary's Hospice. I think this was at the end of August of 1990. Still not knowing what's... For my sisters and I, what are we going to do? What's going to be happening? So one day I went to go visit my mom in the hospice. <laughs> I'll never forget when I went to visit her in the hospice. It was... The hospice she was at St. Mary's, he, the workers there did a great job. They were really good to her. <laughs> and I remember this lady down the hall. She had like at least 10 or 15 bottles of hard liquor sitting on a radiator. And all of them are, were less than half full. And I'm thinking, I guess she's just trying to live her best life. And I think this too, my experience in the hospice led to everything else as far as my grieving and how I'm feeling. But when they, when the nurses put my mom in the commode, which is a toilet, for those that don't know, um, a mobile toilet, um, they sat her up put it on it while I was there watching she was so weak and so frail and when I tell you I don't know what I mean in 19 it's still it's so young so young to even be reeling that kind of experience So while they set my mom up on the commode, she stopped breathing. And all I kept saying was, Mom, we love you. Please. Please, Mom, we love you. Please start breathing again. Start breathing again. Mom, please, we love you. We love you, Mom. Please. I just kept saying that over and over and over and over and over again. So they laid my mom back down. And when they laid her back down, she started breathing again. And then when she laid down, I, when she laid down, I kissed her cheek. And I don't know how some of you, I don't know if some of you are familiar with 80 songs, but this song, um, Fly to the Angels by Slaughter was out then. I think it just came out then. And it was about Mark Slaughter one of his very, very good friends, um, girlfriends, not a girlfriend per se, but a friend of his, um, passed away from cancer, and he's saying that about her. So as I kissed her on the cheek, I sang her Fly to the Angels by Slaughter. Then I kept telling her how much I loved her. And all I could see was it all I could see was tears 
coming from the side of her face, coming out of her eyes. she was so tired and so weak after I left there it was late 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 I stayed there as long as I could so I went home and then a couple days after that I was in my, my younger sister Joy's room and exactly on September 27th, 1990, at exactly 11 p.m. at night, my sister's phone rang, and I already knew. I already knew. I picked it up, and all I could hear was my aunt just screaming. Just screaming and crying. So the nurse had to get on the phone to say that my mother had passed. And all I could think of was to get out of that house and to run to my best friend Heather's house. That's all I could do. That's all I knew to do then. I just ran to her house where I felt safe. Because her and I have been gone. <laughs> best friends since we were eight years old. So I ran to her house and my aunt came and got me from there. Or, told, or no, actually my aunt called there told me to come home because I had my mom's car. So I drove back home and my aunt's like, you know, your mom, mother passed. So we had to get out of the townhouse we lived in at South Milwaukee. And not for very long, we unfortunately... Unfortunately, he had to stay with my father and stepmother for a minute, but that's neither here nor there. That's a totally different story. I don't really want to go there. But anyways, um, we had her funeral. And my mother looked just like her mother exactly her mother died at 44 as well my mom was only 44 when she passed that was it 44 44 years old my mother passed so so looking in that casket she looked just like her mother exactly they could have been twins and I did not leave that casket I had to have my cousin Stevie and my cousin Little Phil grasp me from the casket because I wasn't moving. I would have jumped in there if they would have let me. I was heartbroken. Heartbroken. So my life was never the same after that. Fast forward a year, I applied for college, which was stupid because I was not even in the right mind frame to do so. And sure enough, I did not do very well. And I'd end up seeing a therapist. I went to, got accepted to Stout 
for a year, had to leave because I was not in the right frame of mind at all. And I was kind of staying house to house to house after that. And I had a medical procedure done about a year and a half, two years after that, two years after that. No, a year and a half after that. Sorry. And after I had the procedure done, I went to my aunt's house after I had it done. And my aunt, my aunt had popped her head out the door, but she was in the middle of a shower. So she popped her head out the door. And she popped her head out again, twice. And I'm like, what is she doing? Because I was sitting in her, I was sitting in the recliner in her front room watching TV. And that's all I could see was her sticking her head out. I'm like, what is she doing? So then after I got up, I went in the kitchen, got some water. She came out, she's like, Nikki, did your mom own a pair of white tree torns and some, and did she have brown shorts and a brown, white, and pink uh, plaid shirt? I said, yeah. I said, she wore that all the time in the summer. And she's like, oh. So she came behind you, patted you twice on the head, and then she walked away. And I said, what? And apparently my aunt had heard my mom's voice before that. Apparently she had, apparently she had heard her voice before that. But didn't. But told me that later on. But and I'm like, God, why didn't she? Why couldn't I feel it? I was so angry. I'm like, I want to see her. I want to talk to her. I want to hug her. Anyways, fast forward, 1993, met my husband. 1995 had my first son again did not have a good relationship with my dad so all I had was my aunt of course and then my father's side and my two sisters that was it and so having those I saw after that I've had four sons they're all grown now but having all those sons before you know really was emotional for me with her not being there And every high school graduation my sons had, I would just bawl. Every birthday they had, milestones, I would just be in tears. And there was, with my first and second pregnancy, I did suffer a little bit of depression. Um, and so I wasn't in a very good place emotionally, still with my husband. Um still with my husband now but and so still kind of not dealing with it very well I'm a 911 operator for a police department and so I'm CIT trained which is crisis intervention trained which means how to deal with people with mental health issues and so, there was uh, two years ago, three years ago, 
there was uh, CIT training. And as we're going through PowerPoints, I'm thinking, and they started talking about, you know, em uh, emotional. Uh, they started talking about, you know, like emotional, uh, I forgot the name of it. It was called depression, emotional detachment or something like that. And I'm looking and it said like moodiness, fatigue, and it just kept naming off all these things. And I'm like, oh my God. And I like had a, uh, I like had an aha moment. Like, God, I'm still feeling all this stuff. I'm like, cheese. And so right then and there, you know, with me working for the city, I made an appointment with my therapist, work therapist. And this, you know, seeing her three years ago, it was years and years and years since I had seen one. So after I was talking to her, I was like, yeah, I just had a hot moment. I'm like, I'm still reeling and grieving, and I do not know how to cope with this in a healthy manner to where I can still get through each day you know and still be happy and you know so on and so forth and so three years ago my husband and I were, was always we were always talking about getting a dog getting a dog getting a dog so my sister-in-law had two puppies that were available, a boy and a girl. Half pity. He's uh, he's pity mix. So the minute I saw him, I'm like, he's the one. Because I, I needed something. I needed something. I needed that emotional stability. And so we got him. Of course, my husband and four sons, you know... Our Packer fans, so I'm a Denver Bronco fan myself. I wanted him to name a Bronco, but four to one majority one, and his name is Packer. So once we got Packer three years ago, that fulfilled so much in my life. I'm telling you, dogs are the best therapy. He's re he's lifted my life in such an awesome manner. The minute he he's four now. And he really came in a great time of my life. He really is an angel to me. So three years ago, I saw the, the work psychologist. I was speaking with her, and she's like, Nikki. She said, and I never looked at it like this until now when I've, you know, all grown up. She said, all you went through at only the age of 19. She's like, that is a lot to handle and a lot to deal with at such a young age because your brain isn't quite, quite developed enough to deal in the situation that you were dealing with. She said you probably maybe have slight PTSD because of it. I mean, seeing my mother sick, seeing her die and come back to life, and then seeing her pass, that's a lot to see. A lot, I mean, it's a tragic event. And then she said, do you know why you got Packer. And I was telling her, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you got Packer because, you know, he can't leave you. He, he's, he's not going to go away from you. And 
And I'm like, God, she's right. Because every one of my family members I'm, who left me, both my sets of my grandparents, you know, my mom, and I had um, a really good friend, Sandy, who passed away from an asthma attack three years ago. That broke me again. Just broke me. And so getting... So now we will go on to that I'm still grieving, still trying to cope with and put everything together. And coping-wise, getting Packer was one of the best things ever. If you are coping with any type of death, grieving, trying to come out of whatever you're coming out of, if you're able to get a dog, or, you know, if you're not a dog person, cat person, any pet... But I only have experience with having dogs, so that's all I know. But getting a dog is the best therapy, I guarantee it. You will smile more than you will frown. You will... And you will... Your life would be geared in more of a positive direction. Dogs are everything, I'm telling you right now. And three years ago, I'm a Pinterestaholic. I love going through Pinterest. And looking at Pinterest, now, like I said, I'm 50. Would I have ever thought about getting a tattoo ever? That would be H-E double hockey sticks, hell to the no. No way would I get a tattoo ever. So three years ago, I'm looking through Pinterest and I said another way to help me cope with my mom and as I'm looking I see all these memorial tattoos is to get her actual signature put on me that way she can be with me forever other people have other coping mechanisms to help them along their journey of grieving that's what I call it a journey of grieving because that's what it is every day is not the same and every day is different and grieving hits you in waves. And you never know. But when it hits you, it hits you hard. And there are days sometimes I cannot breathe. Because I'm crying so hard I can't breathe. And death, period. That's how we react to death, period. For all of us. When we have a death of a loved one. That's how we grieve. My coping, my coping mechanism that's helped me tremendously was getting Packer. And then it started off with my mom's signature tattoo. I got it off a card that she wrote my aunt thanking her. That was the last card she ever wrote in her whole life before she died. Thanking my aunt for being such a wonderful person. And how she was with us girls. And so it said, love you, Connie. So I had that transferred onto a piece of paper. And I did a lot of researching. A lot of researching. For a good tattoo person. And I found one. And as he was doing it. It said what I got tattooed off the card was love you Connie. So at least I got her actual name. With her own signature printed. And I said. And as he, my tattoo guy was doing it. I was just bawling. And he kept saying are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like yeah I'm fine. It's just very emotional for me. 
And I heard someone tell me that once you get one tattoo, you keep going back for more. So from the signature of my mom, I went to having both my dogs, their actual paw prints, put on my other forearm so they can stay with me forever. So it has their name underneath their paw print. Then I'm like, I need more for my mom. So my mom, her ashes were dumped, were not dumped, but they were, excuse me, they were poured. We poured us, my two sisters and I, poured her ashes into Lake Michigan because that's where she wanted them, poured. Because we love going to the lake. We love going to the South Shore. We love the water. And so I had him draw up a big wave on my arm. And then I had my sons actually print their names. So I have their names tattooed above her name. And so the wave goes in to where my mom and my sons are all together. And then I have, don't worry, be happy above my wrist. And when I tell you this helps me, like you would not believe, this helps me cope, you guys. It may seem silly, but any way, any way you can find to cope with the death of a loved one is the best thing to do. And then after my friend Sandy died on my left arm, I got a, um, I put her initials and then it like in a uh, uh, mauve color. It's like a G clef attached to a heart. And I got that on my arm because um, she meant a lot to me. And this is how I like to remember people. And then my next tattoo is going to be coming up next month. It's going to be my mom loved owls. So I'm getting, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but it's my podcast, so what the hell. So my next, so my next, next tattoo is going to be four owls. It's going to be one mama owl. And then I'm going to have three other owls for my sisters and I with different color bows on the top of our head. And then it's going to be three little hearts in the mama's chest. So all the hearts are beating together because that's, that'll mean a lot to me. So we can all be together forever. So dogs and tattoos and therapy are the best coping mechanisms. At least they were for me. But these are just to give you a little, you know, ideas. But tattoos for some people may be extreme. But seeing her autograph, but seeing her signature on my arm really helps. Because I know she's with me. Or I know she's with me anyways. But but grieving... It, don't 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 ever let anybody say I know how you feel if they don't know how they feel no they don't especially having the death of a parent it goes way beyond anything else I don't I never experienced the death of a child so I can't speak on that I can't speak on that so I'm not going to I don't God forbid it hopefully I'll go before my kids so I won't have to ever experience that but I know the death of a parent and a death of a mother because a mother's love is everything is everything and I couldn't imagine leaving now I'm 50 so my mom died at 44 so 6 years ago I couldn't even imagine leaving my sons because my sons my 4 sons are the best things that ever happened to me I have a 25, 22, 20 and 18 year old and they are the best sons ever in the world I couldn't imagine living life without them ever and I wish my mom was here to see them to hug them she would just love them to pieces I still cry at milestones. Grieving is never going to stop. Grieving is a part of your life forever. We know that. But it's in how you 
put it in particular places in your life. You can hear a song. You can see a red cardinal. Um, last summer, I was outside with my dogs, and all of a sudden, I heard a boop, a drop. Now, my car is the only car that sits in the back. Nothing else around it. All of a sudden, I heard a plop in the middle of my roof of my car. Nothing else is around it. And I'm like, what the hell is that? All you could hear was a clink. And my 20-year-old was outside at the time with me and the dogs. And I said, and I'm like, Trajan, go, go see what that is. All of a sudden, he goes up on the car and sees what it is. It's a little rusty penny, a penny from heaven. And I happened to be talking about my best friend or my good friend Sandy who had passed at the time. And there it was. It, was, it looked really corroded. It was a light corroded penny, which I was just amazed. I was like, oh, my God. And when they say pennies from heaven... And then I've had red cardinals outside my back door singing. And they say that's, a, that's always a sign of a loved one. I mean, you see signs, you just got to recognize them. They're all around you. You could hear a sound in the radio. You could have a smell. Like my mom used to wear wind songs. So every time I smell wind song, it takes me right back to her. I mean, you can't help it. That's just the way it is. But I don't know. I just felt the need to do this podcast about grieving because it's not only helps me, but I hope it helps you as well. Because it, I mean, we're surrounded by death every day, and it's in how you deal with it. Just know that you do have support, and you do have people that love you. Just talk to them. People, your friends and family, they're there for you. They're there to help you. To, well, some some of them. <laughs> We all have those, you know, we all have those other family members that are like, I'm not going to tell them nothing, but you do have people around you that love you. And if you don't, there's a lot of programs. There's a lot of 1-800 numbers that can help you, support you. Just look up resources if you can. There's always somebody out there listening. Always. And so I'm going to, I am going to conclude my podcast today. Like I said, I hope... It's kind of a lengthy podcast, but I hope I really reached out to somebody who is grieving in this time and that's going, that I hope will benefit from this podcast, knowing you're not alone. We all go through life and sometimes life sucks. It does. It sucks for everybody. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you are. Life will still kick your ass, but it's in how you get up fighting that that is how you deal with stuff is you get up and you get up and you get back you come up fighting and so like I said before I hope everybody stays safe and until my next podcast I might I might do another one right after, right after this one but I do apologize for a lengthy podcast but I just had to speak on it like I said I'm you know I love you guys I'm here I'm always a good ear to listen to so um, have a great day. Keep on rocking. Keep listening to the 80s music. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, get back to going concerts soon. Hopefully. <laughs> Next year, the year after, who knows. But don't don't rush it. Just please stay safe. Wear your masks wherever you go. And people, enjoy life. We only get one. Tell people you love them and give them a hug. Peace, love, and rock and roll. I'm out. <laughs>